Namaste. This is Isha Das, and I'm glad to be with you this Sunday morning, even if it's just virtually. As most of you know, we're not having in-person Sunday morning services for the month of August. So I thought this would be a way to connect with all of you, hopefully inspire all of you um, and support you on your journey. Why don't we start before I get into the morning reflection, let's just start with a moment or two of meditation. If you're in a place or a position where you can close your eyes, close your eyes, Again, sit with your head and neck and spine gently aligned. Bring your focus up to the third eye. And let's just practice just a moment or two of that soulful breathing, just to slow everything down. Slow, gentle inhalation, pause, slow, gentle exhalation. Slow, gentle inhalation, slow, gentle exhalation. And notice in that pause, how things become effortlessly silent. Little points of stillness. And let's just add a mantra as you are breathing in slowly, gently. God, Christ, gurus, and then pause. God, Christ, gurus. God, Christ. God, Christ, gurus. Now just take a, a simple moment. Think of somebody that's suffering or could be a group of people like the Ukrainians and, and the Russian soldiers. And let's just hold that person or that group of people in our thoughts and prayers and offer a prayer of goodwill and blessing for them.
Amen. Namaste. Thank you for joining me today, and I'm thrilled to be with you virtually. As most of you know, we are taking Sunday mornings off at the Assisi Institute in terms of our in-person services. But this is a way of connecting with you and offering you wisdom from our Kriya tradition and from the Christian mystical tradition. So I hope that it blesses you and inspires you and that um, it helps you in your evolution. The theme for today is learning to think with God. And let me say what I mean. It is a great gift to be born a human being. I say this because our nervous systems are constructed in such a way and our spirits have been created in such a way that we have the ability to channel the very intelligence of God, the logos of God, the thoughts of God. We have the ability to commune with heaven's highest gurus, saints, sages, and angels. And we do this not as an escape from the world. We do it as a way of, again, bringing that divine wisdom into our everyday lives so that, A, we live our lives with more wisdom and intelligence in all areas, including practical areas. And secondly, so that we can be a blessing for the world. I want to read a quote from Yogananda. Man and his astral heavenly preceptors, he's referring to gurus, saints, and angels, in the higher realms, by mutual communion, can find great good and control destiny. Whether we're talking about our individual lives or the collective uh, path of humanity, we do not have to be controlled by karma, by opening ourselves to transcendental wisdom, by seeking heaven's highest help, we can go from karma, go from fate, to creating positive, life-giving destiny, not just for ourselves, for the world. So what I've done, I have 10 points, 10 ways of, of opening ourselves to this transcendental wisdom. And I'm gonna read all 10 and then just make brief comments. Again, I hope that they bless you and inspire you. The first one is tuning into heavenly wisdom does not negate the need for rational thought or common sense. We must get enough sleep, do not eat too much or too little, take our vitamins, balance work and play, and find work commensurate with our abilities and work that pays the bills. We must distance ourselves from abusive people and so forth. My first meditation teacher when I was 31 would not even teach me to meditate until I agreed to make my bed every day and go for a walk. What he was trying to teach me is that, is that if meditation is gonna work, it has to be grounded in common sense. It has to be grounded in balance. It has to be grounded in a lifestyle 
that will support our spiritual evolution. In, in opening ourselves up to this transcendental intelligence, we don't give up thinking. We think with God. We take our highest, most intelligent thoughts and we bring them into alignment with heaven's thoughts. The second point, we have to have some degree in, of faith in the reality of the heavenly realms and that there are evolved beings, I call them God's ambassadors, willing to work with us. So let me put that in context. None of us perceive the world, ourselves, our surroundings in a totally open way. We choose either consciously or unconsciously to see what we want to see, to see what we're looking for. That's how perception works. And it kind of has to work that way because if we took everything in that we could possibly perceive at any given moment, we would be absolutely overwhelmed. So my point in this is we won't see heaven's interventions in our life. We won't see this higher guidance coming to us if we're not looking for it and if we don't believe that, is, that it exists. So we have to have faith that heaven, God, the angels, and the gurus are guiding us and they're trying to intervene in our lives. We have to open ourselves and look for those signs and signals. And the more we look for it, the more we will see it. So what do you want to see today? Do you want to see God's help, God's intervention? Do you believe that it's even possible? If you look for it, you will see it. That's what Jesus meant when he said, seek and you shall find, ask and it shall be given, knock and the door shall be opened to you. He's saying it's always there. You have to ask, you have to seek, you have to knock, you have to look. My third point, do we want help from above? The answer to this question may not be as obvious as it seems. Looking for help from God, the guru, and heaven's helpers implies that we do not have all the answers, that we need help, that by ourselves, we never have the entire picture. This is a blow to the ego. So do we want the help? And are we willing to let go of this sort of egoic hyper-independence? Again, it takes a degree of humility. We have to realize that we don't have all the answers. We don't have all the pictures. What we don't know is far larger and more significant than what we do know. My fourth point, in attuning ourselves to the voice of God, we need to listen to those great saints and sages who were one with God's voice. The words of Jesus, Yogananda, and Anandamoyama, for example, are pure expressions of heaven's highest wisdom. By meditating on their words, we begin to develop an ear for truth, for depth, for enlightened thought, for the guidance of love. This in turn helps us to discern God's voice within the depths of our own souls. So every day, even if it's just a moment, 
read something from the Gospels, read something from the Jewish scriptures, read something from Yogananda's writings, read something from the autobiography of a yogi. What it does is it attunes your consciousness to their consciousness. And again, then we develop an ear for wisdom, for transcendental truth. My fifth point is the ability to attune ourselves to higher wisdom is built upon a foundation of peace and healthy order in our lives. Perpetual chaos, drama, and unrest creates mental and emotional static, making it very difficult for our intuitional capacities to develop. Implicit in this process is the need for our adherence to the moral order, or what the Buddha referred to as right living. Ignoring the Ten Commandments or the Yamas and the Niyamas of yoga, for example, creates disorder, creates mental static. It is not about earning God's help. God's help is always being given to us, but creating those conditions that allow us to receive that help. You've probably heard me say this before that drama is poison to the spiritual life. It poisons our capacity to hear God speaking. Yogananda tells us, quote, intuition is soul guidance appearing naturally, effortlessly in man during those instants when his mind is calm. The goal of yoga science is to calm the mind that without distortion, it may hear the infallible counsel of the divine voice. It says it all. Point number six. Of course, meditation is essential to the process of attuning ourselves to heavenly help. Yogananda tells us, communion with these shining ones, these angels, is not to be misunderstood as the spirit of communion of spiritualists, not about having a seance. Truly divine ones cannot be contacted by these means. Only by lifting one's consciousness to the right method of meditation, to the higher realms of the astral heavens, home of the divine forces that uphold the material realms, can such attunement with the deities be realized. So two things happen when we meditate. One is that we become quieter, calm. Secondly, what Yogananda is saying is that we raise our vibrations. The vibrations of the heavenly world, of the angels and the saints, are the most powerful vibrations in all of creation because they are really manifestations of love. However, they're very subtle. They're very fine. When we are immersed in negativity and fear and anger, we can't be in attunement. So meditation really helps us to elevate our consciousness. It's like tuning in and the old fashioned radios. It's like tuning in very precisely to what is being transmitted. Point number seven. In the spiritual life, environment is everything. Specifically associating with spiritual people, being part of a spiritual community and seeking the counsel of a wise mentor are necessary aspects of hearing the divine voice. We should never neglect those human angels God has sent to us. Yogananda tells us, 
the worldly man, unable consciously to commune with astral deities, gains the same result by associating with earthly angels, true knowing saints, and by following their counsel. At another place, Yogananda says that environment trumps willpower. My first meditation teacher used to tell me uh, that if you hang around a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. If you hang around saints long enough, you become a saint. So putting ourselves in the context of a spiritual community and spiritual people and, and a mentor or a guide really helps us to be attuned to the spirit and that the spirit's voice, God's voice often comes through other people. So again, community and environment is so important. Point number eight, the wisdom and energies of heaven are always an expression of truth, beauty, and goodness. In other words, true inspiration serves without exception the positive evolution of humankind. Whatever's good for you, whatever comes from God that is good for you, blesses everybody. Therefore, to the degree that we are motivated by virtue, compassion, by noble purpose, by love, God's helpers, helpers will rush to aid us on our path. Simply to the degree that we serve love, heaven serves us. See, heaven and the angels and the saints and the gurus and the divine God, everything is about love expressed as truth, beauty, and goodness. So to the, so to the extent that we align ourselves, our intentions, our behaviors, to the best of our ability, according to truth, beauty, and goodness, according to love, then heaven naturally, effortlessly, just supports us, becomes the wind at our back. Number nine, we have to nurture not calculating eyes, but soft eyes. Calculating eyes are always looking for facts, for what can be measured, analyzed, and qualified, and quantified rather, for what can be measured analyze and quantify it. For what has utility? And this is obviously helpful in certain situations. You need calculating eyes to balance your checkbook, for example. To hear God's voice, however, we need to see beyond the five senses, eyes that can recognize the subtle, eyes that see beyond appearances. Let me use this example. When a scientist looks at a flower, what they just see is the chemical components of that flower. And when they watch the birds, or not the birds, but when they watch the bees and the flowers interact, they don't see cooperation. They just see this sort of mechanical, uh, instinctual way of, you know, drawing from each other. When we look at the flower with soft eyes, what do we see? We see beauty. We see wonder, we see awe. And when we watch the bees and the flowers serving each other, what do we see? We see love. We see God, the God spirit, the God consciousness, the Christ consciousness imbibed within nature. So we have to learn to see, we wanna hear the voice of God. We have to develop soft eyes, so that we can see. We have to develop soft ears, soft listening, so that we can hear. And then we begin to see the hand of God in our life. We see 
synchronicity everywhere. So soft eyes. Lastly, may surprise you, never underestimate the power of laughter, lightheartedness, and joy to pave the way for clairvoyance and clairaudience, that is clear seeing and clear hearing. These positive states help to loosen, laughter helps to loosen what is tight and constricted within us. What helps us in this process is to avoid taking ourselves in life too seriously. The ability to laugh at ourselves is a virtue. In this spirit, the great saint from India, Ananda Mayama tells us, quote, whenever you have the chance, laugh as much as you can. By this, all the rigid knots in your body will be loosened, but to laugh superficially is not enough. Your whole being must be united in laughter, both inwardly and outwardly. Do you know how this is to be expressed? You literally shake with merriment from head to foot so that it is impossible to tell which part of your body is most affected. I want you to laugh with your whole countenance, with your whole heart, and with all the breath of your life, end of quote. When Swami Nirvanananda was here this past uh, July and into August, we spent a lot of time together. And either we were in silence together, visiting holy shrines and places like that, or we talked about spiritual things, or we laughed a lot. Again, laughter loosens everything up. Think about it this way. The ability to laugh is uniquely human. Even angels can't laugh. You need a body to laugh. So give yourself permission to laugh and to laugh as often as you can. I wanna thank you for being with us today. I hope this in some way inspired you and strengthened you Please know that you exist in the ocean of God's consciousness, right in the center of God's infinite shoreless consciousness. God knows everything that is happening to you and God is with you through it all. Have a great day. Namaste. God bless you.